Day and welcome to the Pandemi Show. Stories of the Pandemi for people living in the Pandemi. No one is alone on the Pandemi Show. Thanks for joining us as we unite humanity through stories of hope, connection, and community in the face of the global pandemic. We are all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Thanks for taking a moment to like, subscribe, and follow the Pandemi Show on social media. G'day and welcome to the Pandemi Show, where we're working to unite humanity with stories of shared experience. Thank you for joining us as we transcend time and space to London, England. <laughs> Who are you? I am Helen Irwin. Hello. <laughs> Helen, thank you so much for joining us on the Pandemi Show. Stories of the Pandemi for the people of the pandemic. <laughs> Thank you for having me here. Helen and I connected online on Instagram and we are connected through cosplay. During the <laughs> pandemic, I got caught up in Star Trek fandom. I am now a crewman on the USS Vector for Region 13 <laughs> Star, Starfleet International. And when I got involved in Star Trek online, I started going into different groups and looking at different people's costumes and what other people around the world were doing. And that's when I came across Helen. Now, Helen, can you explain to people who might not know what is cosplay? So to me, anyway, it's just a way to show appreciation for a show or a character or a film or just any kind of piece of media just by dressing up as that character, that that can mean you've sewn the, uh, the sewn the costume from scratch or you've bought it. There's no wrong way to do it. It's just a lot of fun hanging out with fellow nerdy friends. You are an award-winning cosplayer. <laughs> I you guess I am now. <laughs> you recently won the Star Trek category for Region 13's Holocon. Congratulations. You had a great Thank outfit. You. Your picture was fantastic. <laughs> it was very humbling losing to you in that contest <laughs> sorry about that but you've dressed up as aliens alien characters in star trek and many other characters from science fiction could you just tell us a little bit about some of the characters you played in cosplay starting with star trek yeah so the my first ever star trek cosplay was oh god when was that probably 2016 or 17 and my friend and i did i did bones and she did kirk from the beyond and specifically and then i've gone on to do uh deanna troy from tng Mirrorverse Bones from the original series and most recently and I think the one that most people have seen is Devana Tendi from Lower Decks yeah they're, they're my four I've done so far what other cosplay have you done if you if you visit Helen's Instagram songbird cosplay you'll see there's just dozens and dozens of photos <laughs> could you just go through some of the other main characters that people might recognize yeah so I, I'm trying to think I do a lot of like D&D, specific critical role. There's a character called Yasha that I think quite a lot of people know me as. If not, I did like Huntress from the Birds of Prey movie that came out last year. That went quite big. Like Ramona Flowers, stuff like that. 
just you were, there's such a variety on there did you do the 100 no no I've done like similar kind of looks to that though but I haven't done that one itself no is one of the general themes of some of the characters you've done kind of like a post-apocalyptic type of future or yeah, science I fiction I think most of them are kind of science fiction or fantasy in some sense I think that's just the thing that I enjoy the most um like listening to watching playing so they're the kind of characters that I'm drawn to yeah um yeah, fantasy and sci-fi are the two definite big ones you'll find for me. Your life, you were a big cosplayer pre-pandemic, <laughs> pre-COVID-19. <laughs> and I could just imagine that cosplay would be so much fun in a global city like London, England. What was your life like pre-pandemic, before COVID-19 changed the world? <laughs> when the pandemic started, I was 21. I'd been working up in central London, kind of Oxford Street. I was just kind of living my life as a 21 year old does. And now I'm 23. I turned 24 in February. That's crazy. But everything's changed. So I was working as a hairdresser, but I'm, I'm literally going and I'm completely changing. I'm going back to school. I'm studying science. There's probably some Star Trek themes in that. But I'm going back to study kind of forensics and kind of mortuary work. So it's very different to how my life was two years ago. So the pandemic really did change your life in, in <laughs> my area here in Southern Ontario. And I must say, I am recording this interview today on the Haldeman Track territory in Ontario. And I myself live on the Upper Canada Treaty from the 1700s. Oh, I would yeah. like to say hello and thank you to all the people of this traditional territory, the Neutral, the Haudenosaunee, Abishani people. Here in Canada, we're going through a summer of reconciliation mm -hmm. as the discovery of unmarked graves is occurring at Canadian residential school sites. Uh, they were based actually on the British industrial schools. Mm -hmm of the 17 and 1800s where the government would round up poor children and put them into horrible conditions. So the pandemic changed your life. You were in the, the beauty industry, hair. The lockdown really affected you. You couldn't just go online. Yeah, I was part of, I don't know, I'm guessing, I think they had a similar kind of thing over on the other side of the ocean. Uh, we were on the furlough scheme. So we would take home 80% of what our usual pay was. To me, I was taking home probably about 850 pounds a month which obviously isn't a huge amount but as you said I wasn't doing any work I was just at home for four months at a time basically just just twiddling my thumbs and waiting for something to happen uh, that's when I kind of started catching up on all my tv shows that I'd missed and books and games and everything that I'd missed so it was quite a boring year and a half to be honest the pandemic affecting your industry that did that is that what led you to start out in a new industry I know here in Ontario they're seeing it's very hard to attract people people now to the hospitality industry because mm -hmm. it's been decimated. We were very fortunate here in Canada to have government support in terms of a CERB payment. It was a $2,000 a month payment to mm -hmm. keep people going. Sounds somewhat similar to your system. Yeah. I was thinking about changing jobs for a while anyway, but I think the, the, the pandemic really kind of solidified that. Like while I was stuck at home doing nothing, I did do a kind of cheap online course in the kind of field. And I was like, yeah, no, this is actually really interesting. Maybe this is something I want to kind of do more of. I think it really did solidify it for me. Helen, that's a good point. And we've heard from a lot of people here on the Pandemic Show that the isolation and the lockdown gave people an opportunity to reevaluate their happiness levels, their wellness levels, mm -hmm. where they were in their life. We've talked to people who've moved. We've talked to people who've started families. And we've talked to people who've switched careers. It's interesting. The pandemic struck around March 2020 there in London. 
yeah, that's we went into our first kind of national lockdown. Now, we talked to Kate, who lives in London, and she said what really struck her at the beginning, she's a school teacher, was that she would go to the tube or the metro. In North America, we call it the subway, and it would be empty. Before yeah. the pandemic, you could barely see the conductor, the person that blows the whistle, <laughs> to say that the doors are going to close. And once it happened, she said she was the only person on the platform. Yeah, traveling, once things kind of reopened, obviously COVID hadn't gone away. But when things were slowly starting to open, and I was getting on the tube back up into central London to go to my job, yeah, I, I know I'd be traveling rush hour times, which would normally you can't get a seat. Everyone's kind of packed in. Uh, you're kind of like standing right on top of someone. And but yeah, on, on the way there and the way home, the, the carriage was basically empty. It was really strange. So that is something just a huge difference. Mm. Are there any other things that stood out living in the global city of London that changed drastically and dramatically due to lockdown? I find that generally coming back, my brother, he, when we first went into a lockdown, he started working from home. And that was, you know, a year and a half ago. And his office still hasn't reopened. And he's just been working from home for a year and a half now. And I did notice a lot of people, obviously being a hairdresser in central London, we rely on kind of footfall. And we did notice that after the initial rush had gone down, no one was here. Like, it was still quite quiet up in kind of Oxford Circus. That was still really strange, even being, you know, in one of the most iconic parts of London. It was still fairly quiet in comparison to pre-pandemic. The the trends we've heard of other big cities like Toronto, Vancouver, San Francisco, is that people who weren't from there moved back to where they came from to weather the pandemic a lot of people felt the pull of family a lot of other people felt the economic uncertainty that they had to get out because there just was no way to sustain a life so i wonder it seems like london might have gone through that is it coming back now yeah it's definitely definitely is picking up we we came out of our kind of second big national lockdown technically our third back in april and we haven't been in one since which is really good so i think because of that they've they've technically taken away all of the restrictions i think depending on individual shops you start to wear a mask when going in or they still may have limited space in theaters and stuff like that but for the most part all the restrictions have gone so you can just kind of go back to normal or whatever normal is these days but it's strange seeing it busy again it's not a bad thing it's just not used to it we've come a long way since march 2020 we've adapted we understand the virus more we have masks we understand physical distancing we know it's safer to be outside we know there's more risk to be inside in unventilated areas we are not in a lockdown anymore here in Ontario, but we are in a rising fourth wave. Mm -hmm. We had our first wave in lockdown. We had our second wave that kind of was still our third wave. Like it was almost like one wave. We've had lockdowns and opening ups and now we're at the end of August. It'll be interesting to see what happens when the schools open. Has there been a lot, do do you hear about a lot of spread of it in the schools and also What wave are you in? Oh, God, I don't even know what wave we're in anymore. I think this is technically, I think we're in our third wave, but they they refuse to kind of say that. With this whole kind of Delta variant, they've just kind of changed it to like, oh, the Delta variant and the Delta variant, instead of specifically saying the third wave. But we did have 
yeah, we had the kind of first wave. And then the second, as soon as we came out of the first wave back in kind of June, July of last year, we did go into a month long lockdown for the month of November that was supposed to flatten the curve enough for us to have a bit more of a Christmas, but that didn't work. And then we had to go into lockdown from Christmas, which a lot of people were angry about. But then I think because of that, I think it's our third wave. I could be wrong, but it's it just seems to be fluctuating so much these days. It's almost like I have to write down my history in the pandemic because there is that <laughs> pandemic blur with lockdown one and lockdown two mm-hmm. and, and all the waves blurring together. We're in the same boat as you. We are seeing an increase in the Delta variant, but we're very fortunate now here mid to late summer where anybody who wants to be vaccinated can be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And the vaccination is one of our tools in our tool belt, public health safety. How is vaccination going over in United Kingdom? It's actually going really well. I've had my first vaccination. I have my second in about a week and a half, maybe. Oh. So fa- fairly soon, which Congratulations. is Congratulations. Yeah, I can't wait to be fully vaccinated. But I think I read somewhere that a week or two ago that 75% of adults had been double vaccinated, which is really good. But I, I do still hear quite a lot of people who don't want it. And if you don't want it, fine, don't get it. That's, I mean, I'm going to get it. I'm proudly double dosed. When I got my double dose, my second dose in July, I felt kind of a burden off my shoulders. Mm. I know we're not back to how things were. We're not completely at being able to gather worry-free, but I feel a lot safer now knowing Mm. that there's less of a chance that I will be hospitalized or died. The people in my bubble are all double vaxxed. It's a positive. But yeah, Mm. we do have some vaccine hesitancy and there's been lots of misinformation. It'll be interesting to see what happens because it's very alarming now where it seems to be unvaccinated people are at a higher risk of serious Mm -hmm. illness, hospitalization, ventilator, ICU. And now the Delta variant is more contagious. And also people people at younger ages are showing uh, negative medical effects, unlike in previous waves and the original strain, which tended to hit older people hardest. Yes, I've, I have found that the Delta variant, especially over here in, in London anyway, I can't speak for the entire UK, has been getting a lot more people. As you said, I don't think it's technically more deadly, but it definitely is more contagious. I, I think I probably caught it and gave it to my household, but then it's a case of, I don't know how I caught it. I wear my mask and I socially distance and everything, but you've had uh, the COVID Delta variant. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I probably had it early July, maybe I think. But I wasn't showing any of the, the kind of regular symptoms. You know, I didn't have my a change in taste. I didn't have a cough. I didn't lose my sense of smell or anything at all. I just had a really bad headache, really bad. And I didn't even realize I had it. Good thing we, we took one of those tests that kind of told us. But did, did you go to a testing center? I've been once and they did a five second wiggle up my nose. And a day later, I found out I was COVID negative. Was it, yeah. or, or did you use one of those instant tests that you hear about where they take a swab and then they put it in liquid and it's been described almost like a pregnancy test? Yeah, so we did both. We, they, they kind of, not very regularly, but my, my sister-in-law had been given a bunch, like a box or two of, of the kind of instant ones. So when we were all kind of showing signs of being generally ill, uh, the three of us in our household all took the lateral flow, as they're called here, the instant ones that come back in half an hour. And yeah, it does look a little bit like a pregnancy test. And it comes up like one line is negative and two lines is positive. And all three of us came back positive immediately. But that only has about an 80, 80%, 85% accuracy. So we're like, okay, well, 
that's good. So then we ordered in the like official ones and then we sent them off the same day. As you said, the, the test results should have come back to us within about a day to three days, but they were really, really overwhelmed with, with how many people had it. So it took me, I think, eight days to get my results back. By the time oh, I, wow. yeah, by the time I got the results back, I was already gone and I was, I was allowed out the house again. But I did, yeah, it did come back positive, but that was for an eight day old test. And now how are you feeling? Are you back a month later, five, six weeks later, you hundred percent again or do you have any yeah longer? yeah I I'm I'm felt fine as I said like I didn't lose even when we had confirmed COVID my my brother and sister-in-law they kind of lost their sense of taste and smell my sister-in-law got quite a kind of dry cough I had a bit of a tickly throat but I never really lost the sense of taste or smell so I never had to regain it and to be honest I felt fine after about four days but I didn't go out knowing that I probably was still carrying the 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 COVID and I didn't want to spread it. So yeah, I felt fine. I know I'm really lucky in that in that sense. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. So you survived the lockdowns. Did you mm-hmm. find that you were more creative? We were very fortunate to talk to Michelle Krieber in Vancouver, Canada, and she was very creative during the pandemic and she put a lot of stuff up with the hashtag creative quarantine. Did you do anything creative to get yourself through? Did Was it an opportunity for you to focus more on your cosplay and, yeah. and doing some new outfits? Oh, 100%. I, I know that at the beginning of 2020, there were there were a couple of, of costumes that I wanted to finish that I wanted to kind of in an ideal world, like wear to a convention and shoot and everything at all. But obviously that didn't happen. But I did kind of actually finish those costumes. and I did a lot of tests and makeup at home. I feel like I was more creative in the lockdown than I was out of the lockdown. But I guess that is also just part of I didn't have a job to do. And I was just bored and the, that boredom was filled by, yeah, throwing on different makeup and different wigs and testing out different things. I feel like I learned a lot about makeup and, and cosplay during the lockdown. You're ready when the conventions come back, yes, when the, assume- the cam cons <laughs> come back and the cosplay conventions. Yeah, the big the big uh, convention in London, they, they normally happen twice a year in May and October. They are going full with, with the October one, but I don't think I'll be going to that one just because it'll be probably quite busy. There are a few other conventions later on in November that I'm planning on going to. There's one in Birmingham that I might go to for a day. And then that same weekend, I might travel back down to London. They have a, a Star Trek convention that I've always wanted to go to. So I'm probably going to go to that just because I think that'd be a lot of fun. Oh, fantastic. And you're a big fan of Lower Decks? Yes, I I love it. It's I was quite hesitant at first. I'm not a massive fan of a lot of the new Star Trek shows that have been produced recently. Um, that's just my personal opinion. But when I watch Lower Decks, it's funny and it's new and original, but it also shows a lot of tribute and shows that the people who make it are big fans of what's come before. Even with what we've seen so far of season two, it's just, it's, I don't know, there's something about it. I think it's really special. I don't know if it's the the writing or the cast or just the characters, but I, I think it's great. It's helping a lot of people get through the pandemic. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, and like, you know, as you were saying yourself, I think it has brought in a lot of people to the world of Star Trek, which is is quite nice. It's Star Trek, you know, it's supposed to be about this utopian future. Everyone's getting along and, you know, with science is, has moved forward and we've defeated all these things. I think Lower Decks is a nice kind of introduction to that for new Star Trek fans and it's nice. I'm really hoping we come out of the pandemic with more of a Star Trek future. I know here in Ontario, Canada, during the pandemic, we've been without the distractions of before times we're seeing now 
the income inequality, the impacts of income inequality, especially around housing and the homeless. We're seeing the problems around structural racism and Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. the I Don't Know More movement. I find hope in does life imitate art or does art imitate life? And Star Trek is showing us that there is a future where there is the potential for a future where humans cooperate. Mm-hmm. Now, who knows if we need aliens as the other for that <laughs> to achieve that, but it's great to see, it's great to just participate in the Star Trek universe and think about yeah. how we as a collective human race could have a future like that. Yeah, I think anyone would agree that a kind of a future like, well, the world with Starfleet in what, 200 years I think everyone could agree that that's a great world to live in. And, you know, I think everyone would ideally like to strive towards a world like that. We just need to avoid the augment clone wars. (laughs) (laughs) We are four months, four months away from 2022. Uh, Can you tell us what is the same and what is different between 2020 and 2021? What a good question. I think generally speaking, people, or I'd like to think so anyway, I could be wrong. People are a lot more kind of tolerant of each other in the sense that they're just a, there's a bit more of a kind of mutual respect between everyone now. Before, you know, being in central London, a very busy, busy place in the world, really, everyone's just kind of rushing and pushing past each other and everything. I think now people are a little bit more kind of aware of each other, which is nice. It's a nice kind of improvement to see. I, I think that would be nice to see going forward as well. And as you said, it's obviously a lot of these things happened during the lockdown, but things like the Black Lives Matter movement, which was really prevalent over here in uh, London as well. Yeah, that was a really nice thing to because I went to the protest myself and it was quite nice to see a lot of people kind of banding together for one cause. And I, I do wonder if something like that would have happened before the pandemic, before people had the time to like sit down and research these things and actually educate themselves a little bit more. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I've heard some pauses out of the United States where this really seemed to come from with police shootings Mm -hmm. of unarmed black people. And what I heard there, and it was from a podcast based out of Philadelphia, is that some of the older black civil rights people who've been doing this their whole lives, they said, what's different now is that it's not just the black community standing with a few allies, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's like the black community standing with every community. As we move forward towards hopefully a Star Trek future, the divisions of the past are kind of being left in the past. And I find that very hopeful as well. I agree. I think I I'm, I consider myself quite lucky in the sense that I'm a white woman in London, so I know that none of these struggles are on my own. But being in London, it's quite a multicultural area. So I was raised with people from basically every country and every religion and belief and everything. So I, I feel like I'm quite lucky that I've grown up in a place where being more yourself or more your own culture is kind of celebrated. It is quite strange looking at other places where there's not as much multiculturalism that they they are still a bit backwards but yeah as as you said that it has kind of brought light to everything and hopefully going forward into this hopeful kind of star trek future that people can now see that as you said that we can kind of learn from the mistakes of of humanity in in the past and kind of work together to build a, a better future so four months from 2022 how do you think people are holding up in london england a global city (laughs) I think people are doing a bit better now with the kind of reopening of things like theatres and restaurants and cinemas and everything. People are calling it, you know, they're kind of going back to quote unquote normal, which I think is quite nice. There have been lots of talks of, you know, kind of like our freedom day or whatever, which was when the masks were scrapped, basically. But I think I know a lot of people still wear their masks, which I think 
I know I probably will, at least on the underground, because the underground is pretty filthy. And I think a lot of people will continue to do the same thing as well. So hopefully that will make it, you know, a bit more hygienic going forward. Yeah, I agree with you. And I believe, I think masks are here for good in Mm -hmm. North America. And I'm not sure, I know there was definitely pushback by some people and they can be uncomfortable and whatnot. But I mean, England, World War II, Blitzkrieg. That was that was tough. Like a mask is not tough. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> uh, it's inconvenient, but it's a sign of respect and it's a part of the community. It seems like one of the things that the pandemic has done it is it's made streets stronger. It's made neighborhoods stronger. It's made community stronger at the grassroots. People getting to know people that maybe before they didn't. Yeah, I, I would agree. I know that we, like my family per se, didn't. But I think that's just because we're all kind of like introverts and just kind of kept to ourselves. But I have seen lots of things up and down England of you know towns kind of getting to know each other more and they're doing more kind of like street parties when things reopened and everything which is really nice to see reaffirming that sense of community that we have kind of forgotten about over time we are very lucky here today on the pandemic show to be talking with helen Irwin from Songbird Cosplay. <laughs> Helen, thanks for joining us here on the Pandemic Show. Stories <laughs> of the Pandemic for the people of the Pandemic. No one's alone on the Pandemic Show. As we move forward, one day, hopefully, we will be looking at the COVID 19 pandemic. Boop, 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 in the rear view. <laughs> what do you hope the world is like in after times? I just want everyone to treat people with a little bit more kind of respect and treat everyone more like humans and help each other and work together as, you know, one kind of human race to kind of better the planet. I just think that would just be the best ideal thing going forward for the human race. The pandemic has shown that there can be unprecedented cooperation and radical change quickly. So hopefully we can ride that momentum, ride that wave of unity and kindness into a Star Trek future (laughs) of equality and justice for all. Thank you, Helen. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the pandemic show. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to The Pandemic Show. We're all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at pandemishow.com. Be a part of our community by subscribing to and sharing The Pandemic Show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Pandemic Show is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. Stories from the pandemic for the people of the pandemic. Do you have an interesting pandemic story and want to share? Email us at pandemishow at gmail.com. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Giant Value for singing us in and letting us know everything is going to be all right. No one is alone at the pandemic show.